0: Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast first episode. We're really glad to have you with us and hope that you'll enjoy your time here. We'll be talking about the NHL, why blind can be funny, and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey.
1: My name is Drew, and I'm
0: here with Tony and Josh. Say hello, gents.
1: Hello, this is uh, Tony Chesrow. How's everyone doing today? I hope you guys enjoy what we have to offer and laugh and learn and uh, just be excited about the growth of uh, blind hockey in the United States.
2: Hi, guys. My name is Josh Schneider. I, I completely I appreciate everybody coming on listening to the podcast with us. Hopefully, you can laugh with us, enjoy some of our stories, and, and hopefully, you'll see that blind hockey is not much different than the game you guys play regularly.
0: Awesome. So, speaking of the game that most people regularly play, let's talk about the NHL a little bit. Uh, there is not a lot going on but have you guys seen the reverse retro jerseys?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of them are kind of just like, man, they're not, uh, they're just not visually appealing to me, but then there's some, some jerseys that are pretty beautiful and actually might even be better than the regular ones. Which ones do you guys like? Top three. Go, Josh.
2: All right. I mean, I have to go old school. Uh, with two of them, and then the, the last one is, is sad, and you're going to understand why it's sad. Um, and it's still my number one. Um, I have to go with respect to that I am the old school guy, so I have to go with respect to the uh, the Nordiques jersey and the Whalers jersey. I actually really like the, the gray Whalers jersey over the old one, um, but my number one, I grew up a Devils fan, and any Devils fan cannot deny the Christmas jersey, and I am <laughs> way... I am... I'm way late in line for that jersey. And the only two that are available right now, I think, are Hughes and probably Heashier. But, uh, yeah, the line is so long for those. Like, they are for all of them. But definitely, the, and, and it, like, it's it's after the top three, I they get creative, but I have to put the Devils in there. And I have to put the two old school ones because I had a chance to finally awesome old school jerseys.
1: Yeah,
0: no, I love all those. Tony, what about you?
1: Uh, there was just so many of them that I just honestly just did not enjoy looking at. Um, but some of the ones that I did, I, I really liked what the Blue Jackets did with theirs. I thought those were really, really unique. Like the, the, the red and just, just the emblem, it, it looked pretty dope. Um, and then my second favorite team is, is Buffalo. And I'm really, I'm really glad they bought, brought back the Sabres. As far as like the the two swords, like I thought that that looked really great, and then the third one that I liked was the Phoenix uh, or Arizona Coyotes. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. How about oh. yourself? Oh man.
0: Uh, so my the one that I I don't know because it's hard because I have favorite ones and then I have ones that I think did it the best. Like I think one of my favorites is the Ducks one, but I grew up with the '90s Ducks, so sure. They hit that nail on the head. Uh, the Blackhawks one I like because I love that the crest. Um, and uh, I I actually did like the New Jersey one. I I liked the the Christmas the Christmas theme. It's very very festive and appropriate for when they were released.
2: Can't no no no. Th- those are like original jerseys. You can't deny, but it's never been green. The original yeah. jersey color was was red and green. So it was the the secondary color was green. So it was always it was always red and green. But that when I saw it, and there I I saw all over the different stuff. I saw the Christmas jerseys, and I was like, uh, oh, I gotta get." I mean, if it's a Christmas jersey. I gotta get it. Um, but let's let's not forget met, to mention the Islanders jerseys because in typical Islanders fashion, nothing changed.
0: Yeah, it's the exact same jersey. <laughs> they didn't even try, just like the Red Wings, which I kind of like the Red Wings one, but you know. It, I'm just going to go out
1: on a whim and say that I, I honestly think that the Islanders are going to win the cup in the next couple of years. I know you might not like to hear that, Josh, but uh, I think they're going to do it.
2: Honestly, I liked watching them. I really did like watching them, especially because they were playing Philly and I mean, at, at, and Philly loses everything. So and, they need I was, to. I was, and after that, I was cheering for them against Tampa because Tampa is just such a behemoth that it, that it would they were the underdog and they out they they fought him for a long time.
1: They just play such an ugly style of hockey and I love that style.
2: Hey I'm a devil's fan.
1: You have (laughs) the trap.
0: That's just sad though. There's a difference in ugly and sad. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Toronto's gonna win the cup next season. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying, you added Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. I know they're old, but I think that they're it's like adding Pavelski and Perry to the Stars. I think they're just the right kind of, like, age and experience.
1: That's a a good opportunity. I just – it's just like uh, they'll just find a way out. (laughs) It's always interesting to see how they'll find their way out of the playoffs. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I mean, they'll just play Columbus or Boston, and that'll be it. (laughs) All right, so that's really it uh, with hockey. I mean, there's what Jake Paul is trying to fight Robin Leonard and Evander Kane. I mean, I I, I think mean, Tony and I talked crap, about it. He
2: beat the crap out of a, He beat the crap out of a five foot nine basketball player. Might as well come after a hockey player next.
0: I think Kane would beat him
1: easily. Oh, probably. Uh, I mean, was something that, Uh, like, uh. a lot of people don't realize, and first, like, with Evander Kane especially, like, his father was a boxer, and he's named after Evander Holyfield, so you kind of got to, he has a background in boxing, and for fighters in the NHL, they take boxing classes, like, even when I played junior hockey in Texas, like we would devote like one day a week to shadow boxing. Now, that's nothing compared to what these guys are doing because they have professional training, but these guys are well adapted at fighting.
0: No, I agree. And man, I would have. So my dog's name is Emery, who's named after Ray Emery. Uh, yep. that, that would have been the fight. Ray Emery against that guy like no
1: easy it'll be over in a, less than a minute there's there's no way and like I'm not all hockey players could necessarily beat up like like Evander or uh, Jake Paul like like you think like Nathan Gerby's gonna go out there and potentially I mean he very well may could but um, even if you look at, like, some of the punches that Jake Paul was throwing, they were they were so pathetic-looking. Like, and you're fighting, a, you're fighting a basketball player, and that isn't a slap at anybody who plays basketball. But, I mean, they, they slap fight. fight. No, they slap fight in the NBA. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I guess we'll see. It, who knows? It, he's already, I think, it came throughout a date, so... I guess it's something to watch while we wait for a new NHL season.
1: August 31st in Vegas.
0: Yeah. That's it. Let's let's get get to what what we're really here for. Um, So I play for the Chicago Blackhawks blind hockey team. Um, Tony plays for the Chicago Blackhawks blind hockey team as well and the United States national team and Josh plays for the New York Metro blind hockey team. So just as a brief rundown of blind hockey, there are a couple of things that make it uh, adapted to us. Um, One of them is positioning, uh, the other is goal size and puck size. um, And then we have some rules as well, but the, the basics are our goal is a foot shorter. Our puck is about two or three times the size made out of metal has steel ball bearings in it. Um, You have to complete a pass when you cross into the offensive zone before you can take a shot. And we have rankings as far as visual acuity. So a B1 tends to be a goalie. Um, There are some exceptions. Uh, B2 would be a player like Josh, uh, and they tend to be defensemen. They have a little bit less vision. Um, B1's having no vision. And then B threes are like myself and Tony, where we have more vision than the other two, but we're still uh, under forty degrees of vision and uh, a certain visual acuity, which I don't know right off the bat.
1: Um, I believe it's it, it's either twenty two hundred or twenty four hundred okay
0: and so that's the and that's the I mean my missing. Is there anything that you guys can think of that I am missing as far as a general?
1: Well, just the helmet colors.
0: Okay. Yeah, B1. So B2s wear white, B3s wear black, and B1s, since they tend to be goalies, don't have a specific color. But in the case of skaters, they would be wearing a red helmet, which would signify that they have no vision.
1: Josh is not mean to cut yeah I didn't no, mean good. to cut you off Josh I apologize
2: No it's all right um one of the players who we're going to have on here that's on my team um actually does not is not technically legally blind so he qualifies as a B4 um so although he right now legally can't play for team USA um he still qualifies for blind hockey as and they're trying to add to that B4 division, which has a little bit better vision than people who are legally blind, but a lot worse vision than the regular players that people play against.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so for, like, international competition, it's B1 through B3 at just our regular national uh, events or ones that may be held in Canada, then B4s are allowed to play. Um, And I, I think that that's kind of something that will that'll, that'll lead us into this. So, you know, you... Josh, I feel like you've lost the most amount of vision out of the three of us. Um, all of us played hockey before. but how did you how did you end up finding the New York Metro blind team?
2: well, i uh, I would retired from teaching. I taught for fifteen years. and uh, with all the safety regulations, it was getting and my very, very reduced field division, it was getting very tough to really keep kids safe in a classroom environment. So, I haven't retired for probably about a year and a half and I had the TV on and was doing the dishes and it had to be the local news or something. And I hear a group of disabled people are finding joy in a sport. They never thought they could play. And I have a master's in special ed. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And I turn and I hear at New York Metro blind hockey. And it's kind of like literally one of those like sitcom moments where I had something in my hands. How it didn't like drop on the floor and shatter because We've all had that moment when I was like, wait a second, I'm blind. I played hockey. But timeout, what? And I'm like, I'm running around my table trying to pause the TV to figure it out. And and I emailed as many people as I could to find out. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure I searched at one point. But I started losing my vision in 2012. And, and from now what I know the history is, and it was just starting around here then. um, And, uh Couple of emails later, I, I get a call from uh, Monique, who's one of the people who runs the uh, New York team, and I really just wanted to coach, because in my vision, this was a youth team, it was a youth program, and I, I'm, I'm telling her, like, it'd be great, I want to help these kids out, because she's telling me her son plays, uh, the other man who runs it, Ted, his son plays, I was like, great, I'd love to help coach you guys, like, i played Doctor Pearl so long, and I was like, and she's like, Josh, you don't have to coach, you can play, and like, the like a five-year-old child I was like, I can play? And, <laughs> and this is a woman close to my age who's literally laughing at me because like, I'm so excited that like, I can play again against my peers because I played a couple of times as, while losing my vision with kids that like, grew up looking up to me. And it's just it was just comical. Like I couldn't look at it any other way than comical because if you do, if you can't laugh at yourself for things that you know you used to be able to do... It's going gonna, it's gonna to drive you insane.
0: For sure, um, yeah. And uh,
2: so I think about three weeks later, I, I went and I played with them. And I literally, like, was shuffling my feet. It was so funny. Um, like, it, it, to us, it's funny because we know. And they don't know me. My wife didn't know me back when I was playing. Um, like, I went down. And coach, was skating up. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, you don't know me. I'll be here all day. <laughs> and he, he looks at me, half cracks a smile. And he's like, "What's wrong with this guy?" Um, so we're playing around. I I make a pass backhand, and uh, he comes up again. And he's like, "That was a pretty good pass." I'm like, "Well, I mean, when you're blind, every pass is a blind pass." It <laughs> kind of gives me like the same half cocked, like, "What is wrong with this guy?" Smile. Um, and. Uh, so like i'm shuffling my feet i know i'm better than this but the one thing like i'm amazed by this puck because it's just out of control so i'm looking at these two kids on the other side and i'm like there is no way these two kids can sit are blind they are like flying they're flying they're making tape to tape passes and i'm like no way they got to be like the people who run this kid and then there's the third one and so i uh So I'm doing some skating drills and the coach comes over he's like, why do you play with us? So I end up uh, doing, it was basically keep away from the coach and it was me, what ended up being me, Timmy and Brady, keeping it away from the coach. And uh, I can't really move very well at this point. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to like make easy passes. So i like, I'm like, all right, I'm getting into it. I'm like, all right, let's make a one-time pass. (laughs) Uh, and all you hear, I think there's actually a video of me trying to make a one-time pass, and you hear, you see it die, and all you hear is me go, ah! Because, I, like, I'm trying to understand the physics of, of ball berries coming at me and trying to make an actual one-time pass, and it's completely dead there. But, I mean, within, like, that one practice, I was like, all right, great, now I'm hooked for life, and, and here we go. So that was basically it. It took one practice, and I, and I was hooked.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the thing. I I feel like a lot of us stumble across blind hockey. Like, unfortunately, it's not something that you would necessarily think about. Um, Tony, I feel like you've, we've talked about how we both got into it. Um, why don't you yeah. tell us? I feel like yours kind of parallels Josh's in some way. And yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I started playing hockey when I was in seventh grade and, like, the second time I was ever out on the ice was, <laughs> was my first game. And like, I went off sides like 17 times. I just had no <laughs> – I had like no understanding of hockey. And like I was able to skate like a little bit. And like this is, this is just regular ice hockey, like youth hockey. And I ended up like keep playing. Um, I played in high school and I was also playing for travel teams and I just kept working at it and by the time I was a senior in high school I ended up playing something called junior hockey if the some of the listener, listeners aren't familiar with that it's it's kind of like a bridge like to get to it, I I call it like the military for for hockey um for some people they go and they go play semi pro I mean players get drafted out of junior hockey leagues, uh, I was in a lower league, so there's three leagues or not there's three leagues there's several leagues but there's three three tiers tier ones like the u s h l the o h l the q m the uh the q a whatever it is out in uh canada quebec hockey league and then there's tier two with in the united states it's called the n a h l the north american hockey league, and then the two and then there's Tier 3, and I played for a whole bunch of different teams. I played out of a team in Minnesota called the Minnesota Owls. Um, they were out of something called the Minnesota Junior Hockey League. I believe that uh, disbanded. And then I played for a team called the Central Wisconsin Saints. They changed their name. I believe they're like the uh, the Riverfish or something. I don't even know. And that was it was good. It was out of Stevens Point, which is where Joe Pawlowski played his high school of hockey. And then I played for a team in the NA three HL. So that's like a feeder league for the NA, which was tier two. Um I played for a team called the Sugarland Imperials and that was in Texas. And that was probably overall my best junior hockey experience. Our coach was named Jared Palmer. He was fresh out of the NHL. He played for the Wild. He played for uh, Team USA junior hockey team, like Miami. He was the captain of Miami of Ohio. The guy was just an absolute animal off the ice and on the ice. He, he was an absolute joy to be around. And so then, after playing junior hockey, I went and I played uh, a year or two years of college hockey. My first year, I played at a school called Holy Cross. That's um, like. If you guys have ever seen the movie Rudy, that's the school that he went to. It's it's yeah, right yeah. By, right next to Notre Dame. What happened there was a whole bunch of kids got expelled. They were they had uh, they they just got expelled from the school. I won't go into the details, and we weren't able to field like a whole hockey team. So by the time it was, oh, you know, I was getting ready to be in my sophomore year of college. They over the summer they had named me captain, and I was super excited like to to get back at it and play hockey again. And then like 3 days into the semester, they were like, "Yeah, we're not having a hockey team." So I transferred to a school um in Illinois called Lewis University. I played there for a year. It was a lot of fun. Um I wasn't doing the best academically, so I made the adult decision to Step away from hockey and go back to Holy Cross because I felt that the education system was a lot better there, and it was a really small school. So, being visually impaired, I was able to I was able to work with the professors really well, and because there was only like twenty people in the classroom at max, so I got that one-on-one help that I really needed that I wasn't getting at the other school, and I sacrificed hockey. And I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, hockey's done. It's over with. Like, this is obviously a bummer. I got a text message from a kid that I played high school hockey with. His name is Patrick Mullaly. He coaches for the Chicago Blind Blackhawks. And he's just like, hey, I, I heard you're missing hockey. Like, how would you like to come out and coach? And I was super excited. I'm like, right on, like. This game has given me so much. I now have the opportunity to give back to the game that's given me so much. And then it's like your story, Josh, the person was just like, her name was Stephanie. She's like, yeah, we don't want you to play or we don't want you to coach. <laughs> we, we want you to play. And like, just like, <laughs> like, like you were five years old or however old you were when you started playing. You're like, your ears just perk up and you're like, yes. Like, competitive hockey again and i didn't really know what i was getting myself into and i was pretty yeah. nerve. i was pretty nervous because i was just like is this gonna be fair you know what i mean like I'm, I'm not trying to sound like this is like blind hockey was the most humbling experience i've ever had and like i was just like i played at a really high level that only four percent of hockey players make it to is it going to be a? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I go out there to go watch one of the practices, and it just so happened to be that everyone was gone at an event in Pittsburgh, except for one of the players who's currently on Team USA. His name is uh, his name is Luke Miller, and I just saw him shooting pucks and skating, and I'm like, yeah, this is where I belong. He's a really good player, and and like from there on, I, I just ran with it, and I've, I've fallen in love with it. I mean, I'm really lucky and fortunate enough to be a member of Team USA. Um, I, I think that if, if you're a young listener, it's something that you really should want, or at any age, really just work towards and strive towards, because there is an opportunity, and like putting on that jersey is just one of the most magical feelings in the world. Yeah, and Josh and I are old guys, and uh, that's one of our aspirations. So Your, your prospects, man. Like, I, <laughs> like, I've been saying that to you. I mean, I've known you, Drew, for a lot longer than I've known Josh. And I remember talking to this with you, Josh. Uh, you reached out to me, I don't know, almost a year ago. Like, this is a goal for you guys, and I, I firmly believe that if you continue to work hard and you find your feet, and we'll be sharing the same jersey.
0: Ooh, like both of us in one.
1: Yes. And
0: do our heads have to come out of the arm sleeves?
1: Yeah, we'll be like <laughs> kind of like a tripod looking
2: thing.
0: I think it's a, good, it's a good look. It's like the Flying V, but one person.
2: <laughs> but together, like if you, I'll take my right eye, like it, it, we'll both put together, we might actually get this to go.
0: Tony, yeah. you have to carry us though. You got the best legs. So. All right. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. All right. But we. Trying to figure out how this would work. It's going to be magical. We'll, we'll have to make a diagram. <laughs> you know, for for me when I found it, I was I was looking to see what was out there, and Stephanie also emailed me and was said the same. She's like, "Yeah, you can play. You know, tell me about your vision, all all that." And it's, I feel like blind hockey is one of those sports that you have to see and you have to see in person. Right. And it, it I, I think it's amazing. Like it, it humbles me every time I get on the ice, and I, like the the kids that we have in our organization, um, and seeing the amount of growth that we've had in the past year, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly that like Team USA is not out of reach for anyone. Like you put in the work, you you do it, and you you show up, and you make sure that you. Do the things you need to, and, and a spot can be yours. I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you know, I, I think that that's something that really excited me going into blind hockey
1: was the opportunity. Right, and just I mean, w- before the the monstrosity that is COVID, I mean, and the second um, the second wave of uh, lockdowns, like we were we were firsthand seeing the growth of these players. And, like, we were working on several um, drills that a regular ice hockey team would work on.
2: Well, I mean, here's where you guys have the benefit of having the exper- a lot more experienced of a program. Like, when I came into the New York program, it really was, like, a couple of people. We've grown a lot, and we've grown a lot in, basically, volunteers to the to the point where we've started to structure practices more like actual real hockey practice um our last practice um so we're we're now doing an hour and a half and the first 15 minutes we're just doing skating so that all of us, so that the people who come just to skate and to learn can get some time before we all run them over um but we were skating laps for like 10 minutes last week and i looked at and i messaged Tim the other day i go tim we got to think of some drills um because honestly I, and I didn't even mention this. I grew up playing strictly roller hockey. I played a little ice when I was in college, and I worked at a hockey rink for like two years, but that was it. Like I grew up in the 90s when roller hockey was big, and I played college roller hockey, and it was at that point as big. It was a bigger club sport than college ice, because obviously the better players went to either juniors like you did, or went to play went to play D two or D three college as opposed to playing clubs. So and a lot of the club players got because roller hockey was a much faster sport.
1: The mighty um, ducks, so, right?
2: <laughs> oh, well, 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 yeah. Well, the mighty ducks too. When, uh, when, uh, what was his name? Kenan Thompson, right? Um, <laughs>
0: that's, that's oh, but, how you got into hockey. That was it. The knuckle puck you were sold from that. Oh on. no,
2: it was way, way before that, man. But like, <laughs> I still have a couple of years on you because like, that's when like rollerblades came out like rollerblades came out like the late 80s the early 90s and that's when that's when roller hockey picked up everywhere because places just started building and my mother didn't want me to play ice hockey like she didn't want me to play football because i would get hurt so she was very instrumental in building a roller hockey rink in town my my father almost played in the nfl and i wasn't allowed to play football
0: that's wild. Um, that's probably a good that's probably the reason though (laughs)
2: Oh well, no, Uh, yeah, well, possibly, (laughs) but uh, but so, but I appreciate because like anything forwards, I'm good. Like backwards, I'm good. But anybody ever tells you that roller hockey and ice hockey the same? Screw them, because like I am literally, and I I've even taken lessons with a figure skater, an Olympic figure skater, because um, because that's the best way to learn how to skate. And she's like, you don't trust your edges, and I'm like i'm thirty eight I'm overweight, and I'm a roller hockey player. We have one edge, and that's really kind of like the the point that I'm at now is still working on that outside edge. so anything we can do at a higher level that people screw up once and t- once or twice and then learn definitely helps because I see a lot of the stuff we d- what we how we've grown once we started to do things that had more rigor to them. It definitely shows. And once you keep things to more playing around, it, basic, it just kind of diminishes and doesn't grow as much as it does when you set higher expectations and you challenge people like we have been in our practice.
0: I was at practice the last time we had our goalie there and I, I was going in I'm like, oh, well, if I if I go to the left and then I scoot to the right, like he'll 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 travel with me. But that's not how oh, blind yeah. hockey works. <laughs> like,
2: oh, yeah. And and that's and that's the joke is that we like my one my best friend growing up like he stopped playing goal at like thirteen maybe twelve, and I I convinced really him to play goal after I started I must have spent like I've spent so much money on a hockey equipment in the last year I have like two and a half sets of goalie equipment I've played one game of goalie my entire life <laughs> but I've supplied now two goalies but I got him to play now and uh, and it it's funny because. He's like it, it it's just it's wild how you guys can play and he's like you guys can keep up with me it's just not fair. And I'm like yeah, that's the r- real idea. And well, it's the same thing when I... oh, go ahead.
0: Well, sorry, well, I was going to say so how do you cuz that I feel like that's where all of all of our training and stuff is is trying to figure out what's necessary from regular hockey and what's not. So like do you... How do you decide what's not a necessary
1: skill
2: so I mean what's oh go ahead Tony no no, no go ahead, go
1: ahead. you're on a roll here. I want to hear the
2: roll uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh do you have to stop me because I will keep going, but i mean there's not much di- there's not much difference in the sport. you have to ask the the machine with everybody, and for me especially because I have issues blindingly fast and Brady who gets they both get into the zone and then look up like where is everybody I'm like guys. You need to cut past people. And we've been working on drop passing. I assume dro- drop passes are probably, it's got to be like the basis of, of most offenses, correct, Tony?
1: Um, so there's a couple different viewpoints on that. The thing with the, especially in, in blind hockey, with the drop pass, like, tra- all of us know our vision, right? Like, you know how your eyes work. Like, there's shortcuts that you take with with your brain and your eyes to get to a certain place. But we don't know how each other's vision works. So, for some people, uh, for me, for example, my peripheral vision is really strong, but my central vision is very poor. So, there's times when somebody just drops a puck, I don't see it, especially if I'm playing like regular ice hockey. Oh, yeah. It's gone. Like The the puck is just gone. It's not there. And then you get in your feet. Yeah, and then it's in your feet.
0: (laughs) Feet! Escape!
1: Escape! So a lot of the time when somebody's making a drop pass, not a lot of the time, I'd say a good 40% of the time, they're making the drop pass at the top of the blue line when they enter into the zone and it instantly becomes a turnover because another player has lost track of the of the puck and was not expecting it. So the thing with the drop passes is, is there's gotta be a solid form of communication and you don't necessarily want to stop the puck to where it's just dead. Like the puck is still wants to be moving just a little bit. If that makes sense.
2: I I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, it's not a kill. It's a, you're following me, follow me in. And yeah, I know what you're it, saying.
1: And, and you're leaving it in a place to where the person is going to be able to pick it up, preferably on their forehand. So that's another uh, thing. You have to know if the person that's trailing you is either a lefty or a righty, because that will, that will give you uh, which place you want to leave it. You want to leave it to your right or to your left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it all comes down to communication.
0: Yeah. That that's the I think that's the biggest thing that we need to try and teach because I know I'm I feel like in games I'm better at it but at practice where you need to practice communicating I'm terrible communication well you know it is one of the biggest
1: things in team sports like at at a whole but it's it's the volume of it is even greater in a, a blind sport. Because you need to be able to communicate to the people who are around you and let them know, like, if I'm a B3, so I'm going to see more than somebody who is a B2. I'll use Kevin Brown for an example. Like we have, on Team USA, we have color systems that we, we say in order to communicate. For example, red means the other team has the puck. Blue means we have the puck. And so Kevin Brown is a B1. If Kevin Brown knows that we have the puck, he's gonna he's gonna enter on an, an attack mode, and if we say red, then he's going to then enter in a defensive state of mind. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, absolutely, and it, it's kind of funny. Um, I have I have both ends of this story. So um, I said, my buddy John's been coming to practice, playing goalie for us, and playing and playing with our goalie and we've been playing together literally from the first day we ever played to like when we both stopped playing and i just i've been harping on these guys that we have to talk to the point where like i kind of lost it at one point it was like i literally was like we have to talk um but like him and i it's it's funny because like all i hear i think i'm hearing things in my head and it's literally his voice the whole time and i'm like and he drove me home after last practice. I'm like, dude, you just got to start screaming things out loud because they got to pick up at some point. Because when people call for the puck for me, I have 5% of my vision. So I rely 95% of my hockey sense, which is really, really good hockey sense. And I, make, I pull passes out of nowhere because I know where people should be, especially if they call for the puck. Right. Um, but then you have the other way around and how I was officially baptized into blind hockey. Because uh, when we did our Northeast uh, our northeast camp, probably like my, I don't know, maybe seventh, eighth time back on the ice in literally a decade. Um, And I mean, I've been playing, but you know, like local, your local teams, you don't have enough for a five on five elite, le- like high level game. Like we just don't have that much, that many players at that level on the team. So it slows down the game and, and people get out of position a lot more often. Um, So... I'm in the camp, and I'm and, and doing the scrimmage, and I'm like, oh, I just need someone to call for the puck. And puck goes behind the net. I go to get it, and I hear, boards, boards. Like, Great. Throw the puck along the boards. I look up, and there's Dirk. And I was like, I was warned about you. <laughs> and that was and. And That was, and like, that's literally how I was told about Dirk. Cause I had already run over mo- enough people in practice to be told, oh, you need to play against Dirk. And like, an in, seconds, in seconds, that was literally, and like, that's a, literally the same ex- way I play, and I think the same way you play, Tony, too. And I'll,
1: right but,
2: but, uh, but like, I did it once, and I was like, all right, dude, screw, screw me once. Not, do, not, not doing that again. But that was, like, good. Like, it's like, welcome back to hockey. You have those moments that I was like, I'm better than that. I'll never fall for that crap again. But that was after people are like, yeah, we got to talk. So, I mean, (laughs) what we do, like, go ahead.
1: So, that's that's another thing about blind hockey that we should say is there isn't (laughs) – there isn't supposed to be a physical aspect of the game as far as checking and stuff like that.
0: But it's but hockey. It's,
1: but it's hockey, so there still is physical. There is most definitely still a physical aspect of the game. People run into each other. People, there is. You got to use your body for protection when you're protecting the puck. Like there still is physical contact, but it is. It's not. It, if, it's if not I intentional. Was, <laughs> it's not. It's not intentional. If I was if if I was going to go take the puck from you, I wouldn't hit you to move the to to get the puck off of your stick. If that makes sense, I would come at you and I would lift your stick and take the puck away from you.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean it really gets physical at the high level of hockey. You know, it when when you're playing against the Tony Cesros and the Tim Canes and and players like that like that it's just a faster paced game. It's, it's regular hockey and we're blind. Yeah. So it's going to happen. Like it contact happens and it you you can try and avoid it as much as possible. But I think, I think that's a big thing that we need to teach too, is learning how to take a fall.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's, I, I believe yes. in the learn to skate, that's the first thing that they go over is how to fall because in hockey, they're, or just even skating, whether it's rollerblades or figure skating, like if you stick your hand out, you're going to break your arm. Yeah. you know, yeah. you land on your elbow, you're going to hurt your elbow. So there's appropriate ways to fall. And sorry, Josh, I I consistently cut you off. I think it is no. the Italian in us. If you're yeah, Italian,
2: n- n- no, it's because I don't stop talking. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the other problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. So I, I, I think we've covered a lot of of kind of our experience in blind hockey. Um, I am excited to see where where yeah. it's going, because I feel like we're getting a lot of really good players. The competition that we are having is advancing with the amount of in with the influx of the players that we're getting. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity with blind hockey to reach a much larger audience because there's about two hundred of us but how many blind folks are in the United States?
1: Absolutely. There's got to be, there's got to be, I mean, if you take just population, like the population of the amount of people, I mean, it's got to be a couple thousand, maybe even higher. Yeah. People, people who are visually impaired.
0: I'm pretty sure that i read that there were like 7 million blind
1: Americans. Wow, I feel like a fool. I'm not the math well, guy. I mean, we've got a.
0: It's but it's such a small thing. Like it's such a small community. I so my my path to blindness, if we'll call it, is different because I am diabetic and I ended up losing my vision due to complications with that. But there wasn't like a here's a group that you can go talk to. Here are people that you can go and see. Sure. Um. After after I was done with the doctor, and so. There, I feel like there are so many more possible players that just they're they're like us, you know. They don't have someone that's told them about the team. They didn't stumble across it on the news. Like I, I, so with that being said, with knowing that there's a boatload of blind folks out there, where what do you guys see blind hockey as in the next decade? In the next decade,
1: um, yeah. Well, with, uh, the coronavirus is going to end. like it, It's going to. Everything runs its yeah. course.
0: I, okay, I guess let's, let's say in before the Olympics, right? Because 2026, that's, that's the end goal for blind hockey, at least for right now, is getting into the Paralympics.
1: Right. So, so that, that, that's supposed to be 2026, like you had just said. So, and Russia, Russia just played their first game.
0: Yeah. So, what do I guess? Maybe that's the better question. What do we need to do before 2026 to make sure that our programs are strong enough, and that we, like, when we go into an Olympics, that we we can show that we can play the game.
1: So this is this is my grand idea. I so a lot of the drills that we've been working on with the Chicago Blind Blackhawks are drills like I was saying, that regular ice hockey teams run. I think that with the growth of the popularity of the NHL, each major city, hopefully, that has an NHL program can have a team that um, has a a blind hockey team, right? And so what I think that this country needs to do is to implement – All the practices don't necessarily need to be the same, but we all need to be being taught the same thing. So when they do take things to the next level, there's already a general understanding of of some of the more advanced schemes like systems and, you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I I do know that um, there was a blind hockey coaches clinic, and I wanted to do it because I wanted to see what they were going to say, but. When there, was, when there were when there only a few spots left I'd rather give it to the volunteers that want to learn about blind hockey than me who wants to help teach everybody else yeah. so there are and I think I'm I'm pretty sure I think Mike had a part in that didn't he
1: yeah he I know uh, I know it was,
2: I know it was I know it was taught from there so I think that's kind of cuz you kind of, like but I know our coaches now are teach are teaching by the by the new by the USA Hockey method um, so I and I think that will help too. Um, but I do think, I mean, I think it's up to us to help out the coaches because we have the experience in both. We have the experience growing up in hockey and we also, have where are the blind ones and we're the senior ones that can help the coaches try to figure out what drills are appropriate for, are more appropriate for blind hockey than, than others sometimes. Um, sure.
0: When having a framework that that everyone can follow, when so when they get to training camp for the national team or they go to the national tournaments, you all know the system already that you're playing, so you can just integrate seamlessly with
1: everybody else. Exactly, and then and then you're building into the USA Hockey brand, the USA Hockey machine. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, that was my. That's the first time I met tony because i i went out and i straight up asked him i don't remember what post it was was i asked you what defense you guys played because we run around which like chicken with like chickens with our heads cut off and i knew it had to be some form of zone defense because there's no way you're sending um blind people in man because that just <laughs> that just sounds funny um but that's why i've been trying to urge, trying to teach them is getting them to understand the zones of, of a box defense because there's no reason to teach a different way when it's being done at the top of that way. And it's a really basic defense to play anyway.
1: Sure. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's like, I, I very, I re- I remember you communicating with me and you were really interested. And it was right around the time where you were getting ready to do the, the Northeast Northwest tournament or skills. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. I got invited to do that. I was, uh, college and unfortunately couldn't go um, there, there's just got to be like you just said Drew there's got to be a frame and yeah. like then you put in the puzzle pieces to that and there's got to be a general understanding of what is a box and one defense what wh- how do you enter into the offensive zone where do you back check to? You know what I mean? and Yeah. In, in like, uh, there's players who, who are talented and skilled hockey players, but they don't have the greatest understanding of hockey knowledge. And whether that be because they found this game or, um, I mean, you, you, you played both, Josh, but I'll just say some players only started playing roller hockey. Well, you're going to play roller hockey quite differently than you are going to play ice hockey.
2: Yeah, I actually, I actually grew up five-on-five five roller hockey. So, oh, like, that's pretty legit, cool. very, yeah, legit, very, very similar to ice. I mean, minus the obvious differences, but five-on-five five outdoor ball roller hockey. So it was really, really similar position-wise and strategy-wise to ice.
1: But right college.
2: On college was indoor that's when it was that's what the typical four on four full speed insane roller hockey was but yeah, was... you have that you have that you also have um the fact that people see the game differently and have seen the game differently and i'm blessed to have played the game at like a decently high level and understand the game at a decent at a very high level that I can play the game with five percent of my vision because I can make up for it by knowing what should be going on, and sure. it's funny. And it's funny because um, since my wife, my wife's been with me as I was halfway more more than halfway through losing my vision. And we've been through a bunch of sporting events that I hardly can hardly can see. But uh, we were at we go to Devils games, and she's like, "How do you understand what's going on?" And I'm like, I don't need to see the puck. I, have, I know exactly what's going on. I just can't tell you if the puck isn't in that. I can tell you exactly where the puck is by where everybody is. And she was amazed at, that I could do that. Right. Um, but that's because that's, that's, it's all in my head, and I know what's going on. there. And, that's, and there's just so – it's so different, and everybody's so different. And this is what we're talking about, is that, like, I want a drop pass made to me and I want to if I get a drop pass made to my forehand that's I'm either that's either going in the net or going back to you or it's it's go it's a scoring chance because that's the one place I need the puck and I'm great with the puck on my stick but I it's hard for me to track the puck to my stick sure for you if I drop it directly to you it's not going to work but if I throw it a little towards your forehand, you're going to be able to catch it. And I see it watching, watching uh, you play, Tony, in the USA game. is because you can easily take that – you can take that dia- – you can cut diagonally up the neutral zone and take that pass easily – a hard pass easily because it's coming right from your peripheral. Right. That's where I would have, like – I can't take anything from my left side. But if I take that even from my right side, that's tough for me. So like, and it's, and that, but I think that's a conversation we all need to have, like as, as people who play together, because I haven't had this with my teammates and like some of them are starting to realize, like we were doing a, we were doing a butterfly two on one drill and, uh, I was coming out of the, I was coming out. So I was coming down the right side, looking at the, on offense, coming down the right side. And I, I'm, I only see the right side of my vision. So that's my complete blind spot. Um, so I'm basically, uh, the pass was thrown to me a little wide. So I was basically inside the dot. And I went to fling a pass right back. And almost, I almost hit the tape. Um, and Timmy's looking at me. He goes, nice pass. I go, Tim, like you have enough hockey sense. I need you to realize that. I saw nothing. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, Tim, that's all hockey sense. He had to be there. Cause that's the slot. Somebody had to be right in that vicinity. I had no idea where I was passing, but I know about where people should be, and I know about where that puck needs to be. So that, and that like, was and that how time... I
1: survived playing like at the high level, is because I I was able to understand, like knowing I I knew where people were should be. Like I, yeah. I mean, I can make out the colors, but I can't see your tape. But I know where your stick should be. I don't, and then like that goes back to the communication. Like I communicated with them and like, I, I, I knew who they were like very close because they were my team. And like, I knew if, if that person was a lefty shot or a righty shot. And yeah. And that's a big, that, that's one of the first things that you everyone should do when entering into the blind hockey community is whatever your team you're on, you should communicate to your teammates and say, Hey, this is how i see because like like we talked about earlier some people struggle with peripheral vision others struggle with their central vision and and once wow. everyone has a general understanding of how the, their teammate sees then it makes makes it a lot easier to make plays like you like you did during the the butterfly drill
2: all right so uh for those of you listening um we are having a conversation about what everybody's vision is right in the locker room so you heard it here first, and then we're having this conversation in person. It's like <laughs> the, a, but, but like, it, it, and, and it really, and this is not to say anything about my team, but I have a bunch, I have a bunch of teenagers on my team, and we all knew how, know how we were as teenagers. Like, if I could go back to where they are now, like, knowing, like, what I've dealt with and, like, how, like, me losing my vision and stopping coaching and stopping playing sports is, like, what that's done to my body, like, I would be in the gym a lot more like and I'd have a lot more drive. And that's the the kind of drive that I'm getting because I wouldn't have had this drive at night at at 17, 18. Um, But it's, it's a lot of things. And you guys have a lot of these other teams like you guys have the older contingent where you have that structure that gets together. Like where they're starting to learn how to how to work as a team, how to communicate. And like it, it's that, and we're trying to get, and we're trying to understand each other. And I'm starting to play well with some of the others who are starting to understand me. But we're not having that conversation beforehand, like we should be. And we're learning on the fly. Brady, like three times, big swear, like nobody was in that spot, and that spot was wide open, and I had a great scoring chance. And he's like, "But you ran me over." I go, "Yeah, I had no idea you were there, dude. My blind spot, and in my hockey set, I see nobody and like the circle out like where somebody should be
0: um I guess but to, to cover on all of your topics and this is something that we hopefully this podcast will will help us kind of discover an answer that that can help our community because in the end of the day like we're not we're not make saying that our programs are bad or that they're you know we could do them better. I think part of the growing process for any sport is is taking, um, different opinions and finding what works best for the whole. Um, so, you know, even if I know what you see and you know what I see, it's still going to be um, coming down to play together. And I, at least for me, I think before we're ready for the Paralympics, you know, we need to have some more games so we can gain some more game experience and play with different people.
1: Um, absolutely, I think when uh, when that monster COVID goes away, the the goal is to start doing regional tournaments within the United States. So, like the St. Louis Blues Blind Hockey Program, the Minnesota Wild. There's a team out of Michigan, Grand Rapids, um, the Chicago team, and um, there's one other, oh, Indiana Blind Hockey. They'll all have a a tournament, and then they'll take the teams out east, and they'll all have a tournament because there's what? There's the Whalers, There's the New York uh, Metro Blind Hockey Team. um, Uh, Pittsburgh. um,
2: Maine, Maine,
1: Maine, Washington. So they'll all have tournaments, and then – so that's just – that's going to help with the growth and yep. like you just said Drew get that game experience.
2: And like, I think it'll And I, then
1: we oops, sorry.
2: Oh no, I was just saying then we have the then your tournament.
0: Yep, we have the one oh, in Chicago are. for the national for everybody um, that right. we're trying to put together.
2: And and hopefully a pond hockey tournament in February of 2022.
1: Hey, that's my birthday month. So let's do that. Is it? <laughs> yeah.
2: Dude, that's
1: my that's my 40th.
0: Yeah. And Tony, we, we may be playing in Minnesota,
1: right? We might be in Minnesota
0: if we're, if we're lucky enough to make the team, but yeah, you may be in, you may be playing at the Hendrickson festival.
1: That was, I I will honestly say that was a ton of fun. Um, Getting to, to meet some of the other uh, disabled athletes. I met a lot of sled hockey players Um, my, my, my college hockey coaches, it was a moon warrior was out on the Warriors ice surface and I got to meet uh, some of their players. And was that was just honestly a joy. Um, that's awesome. I mean, there's just not, there's truly nothing better than hearing another person's story. And that's one of the things that we're going to use this podcast for is, you guys got to hear our stories and we're going to have guests come on and, and tell their stories of, you know, what it's like being visually impaired. You know, I mean, there's obviously <laughs> like Josh was saying, there's laughing points that we, we have. Like, I mean, part, part of this thing is a joke. If you can't approach, you know, some of these situations and, and have a sense of humor about it, then you're going to be miserable. Like for, with my eyesight, I, like my, or not my peripheral, my central vision. It's a very bright light that comes in and out like TV static. And it's green, purple, orange, and yellow. And when you tell a doctor that they look at you and they think that you have schizophrenia. And I don't, I don't, but when you tell that to somebody, they think you're out of this world.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Uh, I, it's like, it's like playing regular hockey with people. They're like, I mean, I wear goggles. I mean, it, There's something wrong with me. People don't wear goggles to play hockey, like that actually know how to play hockey. Like if I was wearing goggles, I'm like stumbling around, be a different story. But like to the point where people are like, wait, you're blind. And I'm like, dude, legit. Like I have 5% of my vision. And to the point where I had to look at a guy and be like, after I missed like two or three passes, he threw at me and he kind of gave the shrug. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. This is adult clinic. And I went up to the guy. And I was like, "Dude, you do realize, like, I don't wear these goggles for my health. Like, like, I, I, I I'm like just as good as you, and I have five percent of my vision. Can you imagine how good I actually am?" And he just, and the guys that I play with are up behind me. But like, it's it really is like everybody's different, and and like our stories are going to be so different. And we all have the crazy funny stories, like running over NHL players, running over. I don't know state vehicles. We, we all have cra- <laughs> we all we all have crazy stories and and I mean and everybody we bring in, I'm sure is going to have a bunch of crazy stories too, because we all grew up in the crazy hockey life and then we lost our vision and then have crazy stories in that too. So it's gonna be a wild yeah. ride.
0: Yeah. Well, that's gonna be it for our first episode. We've got lots of things lined up for the future, and we hope that you'll join us on this new adventure. We'll be talking to other blind hockey players, try and pull some coaches and families, and generally just give you all a little look into our side of hockey. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Dented Puck and on Facebook at The Dented Puck Podcast. Uh, You can also send us any questions, comments, anything like that to our email at thedentedpuckpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be posting new content every Thursday and can be found on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all in the next one. Have a good one.
1: See you later, guys.